Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call to join Allworth's Money Matters. Call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us. Right. We're kicking off December 2022. Um, both myself, my co-host, we are both financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. Spend our weekdays helping people with their finances and broadcast our program on the weekends. Being your financial advisors on the air or podcast or whatever the case may be. And glad that you are taking some time to join us today. And I think we've got a good, pretty good program. I, we'll see. And I tell you, <clears throat> I mean, 2022 is, is going to go down as not a great year for investors, by and large. Yes. Across maybe... We were heavily into oil. That oil hasn't, I mean. For a period of time. Yeah, I don't know where it started. <laughs> if you were finished, a perfect, I don't that. Yeah, if you were a perfect trader. I mean, it's just a strange time when you look at it. It's been a horrible year for the bond. Things have been a little better lately. Right? The bond market. And Tensors. the stock market. I mean, the stock yes. market essentially entered a new bull market for if you look at from bottom to up 20%, if that means anything at all. I don't know what it does, but that's what people like. Uh, the bond market looks like it had... At least longer term bonds, interest rates have come down. So, but it's but the worst. Where 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 could you've hidden this year? Real estate prices are declining, and we'll probably continue to do so. Gold has done nothing. Supposedly, this big hedge for inflation has done nothing. The only place you could have been this year uh, is cash. But you don't want to be cash as an investor. You want to be no. in cash for short term. That's right. That's <laughs> to, to to stash your short term needs. Yeah, but even as an investor. A well-diversified portfolio, obviously, is what we believe in uh, because we don't believe that people can actually tell the up, call the ups and downs of the markets in any particular form or fashion that makes sense, including, including ourselves. So it's interesting. I, I've seen a few articles uh, as of late. Is the 60-40 model dead? Now, 60-40 model, I mean, at, at its purest form, it's just 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Based upon modern portfolio theory, frankly, I don't think it is dead. Now, it's, our portfolios aren't exactly six. We have some other things in there besides just stocks and bonds. But primarily, you're going to – we believe in equities over the long term. We believe stocks do well over long periods and of time. And why do you own anything else then, Scott? Either because you have a, an income need that's shorter term, then you can't wait that long for the markets to go through their cycles, number one. Or number two – to help balance out a portfolio so the swings aren't as bad, so your $2 million account doesn't fall to $1.1 million. And, and then and go up to $3 million, And you're and freaking then, out, yeah. And yes. you can't, and it's too much to take. And so what happens is the 60-40, if you look at modern portfolio theory in a return curve, is like the optimal place where you're going to get the highest rate of return for a given amount of risk. 70-30, your return goes up a little bit, but the risk goes up significantly. Yeah. And actually, 80-20 is usually, historically, has been where you've got the lowest amount of um, risk. For even, the even, return. Even less, well, it's less risk than being 100% in bonds, uh, as far as volatility. That's correct. Assuming you were diversified. I mean, we're, these are broad assumptions, assuming you're broadly diversified amongst your equities and your fixed income. But So these articles, is the 60-40 model dead? And I just thought back to... Financial crisis in 2009, it was the same, we heard the same stuff. And I thought about, in our industry, so we're an advisory firm, we've got 100 and some advisors, and uh, we've got an investment team that builds portfolios, and our, our advisors use a variety of different models, and then we do some custom stuff as well. But um, if we were a small shop, we might outsource this, that investment management part to a th some third party. It, it, many, many smaller firms do. Many smaller firms do. And I remember one of the largest kind of uh, outsourcers of investment management in 2009 came in and started saying, oh, the, like, the traditional asset management's dead. We need to look at alternatives now. And it was all these different alternative strategies. This was in 2009 when the, mark, when the stock market was at its lows. And then if you look at the subsequent decade from since that time, people would have been much better off 
to stick with the thing that had worked over the last hundred years instead of trying to say, well, maybe that's different this time. Well, you see this in, Scott, we see this in pension plans all the time. Oftentimes, large pension plans that are especially municipality or state government have political influences over them. That aren't good for their returns. You think? <laughs> They're not good for their returns over There's the a lot of time. debate right now on ESG. Well, I agree with that. I've always ESG means it's environmental so, social but, governance. It's a form of, you know, investing for the good of all or whatever that means. And so I've agreed with that ESG. I've always agreed said with what? The, the fact that no one really can define what ESG means. My, my environment or my social <laughs> and my governance that's, that's is, so funny. is so much different. You look, you look at the political environment today, the polarization, right, of ideas. And you can get on. There's some really strange extremes right now, right? We're not going to even talk about it, but we all know what we're, what we're thinking. Um, so you can have that, that same mindset as an investment overlay. How in the world do we get people to agree on a pension team? Your pension, if you're a firefighter's pension, like yeah. how are we going to get everyone to agree? What's the right? It's hilarious. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, but that's just human nature. But kind of back back to as far as an, an individual investor right now. It's been a rough year. Where are the market's going to go? Still volatile. The reality is, human nature hasn't changed. Number one. Number two. Market cycles will continue doing what they've always done, which means there are times of expansion. There are times of contraction. There are times of certain asset classes that are in bubbles. Those things aren't changing. And furthermore, nobody can predict the timing of these things. If, yeah. you, if, you're, if your investment strategy at this point is you're going to somehow time the markets – Figure out when's best to get back in. I mean, look at the run-up we've had in the stock market in the last month or so. It's phenomenal. Well, look at, at the beginning of COVID, right? Or at least our uh, the U.S.'s response to COVID, how quickly the market fell and how quickly it recovered. It, it was it – was, if you had been on vacation for three weeks, you would have missed the whole thing. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So, so, I, so look, we like the next – what's 2023 look like? We have no idea. Unless, maybe interest, maybe inflation suddenly is coming down. Maybe we totally dodge. You look at the third quarter. We had pretty decent growth, 2.4, 2.6%, something like that. Kind of surprising. GDP growth. Oh, I most certainly think inflation is absolutely coming down. I don't, quite frankly, I mean, even our own chief investment officer, Andy Stout, um, I don't think that they're going to raise inflate, uh, interest rates like they said they were. I think that what happens is it is taking a while for the numbers to work themselves through the system. Well, the market's clearly saying that's that's why we've seen long-term interest rates come down. That's right, and and short-term you know, so, interest rates. So we're in an inverted yield curve where short-term interest rates pretty significant. Yeah, what's the most in inversion since, since the early '80s? Yes, 40, which means short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest. Which rates. tells us that the near-term things could be rough. The long-term people think it's going to be fine. Or the market into a there. recession. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, of course, no, no. That's the near term. That we're entering into a recession. Yeah. But you just interesting. So I went um, the day after Thanksgiving. No, it was, yeah, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, a week ago, went to get a Christmas tree. My wife went, we usually get a little later, but, but when my wife went to get a Christmas tree, the kids were home. Let's go get a Christmas tree. So I went to the local kind of, we've given up on going on trying to cut one down and all that's, I have, I have never had a good experience. Well, Scott Hansen, when he was in college, owned a tree cutting business, a tree trimming business. Yeah. So if anyone should be able to go out into the woods and cut a tree down, it would be you. No, we have rich people hired us to trim their trees. Well, so, Santa Palos Verde, Southern California. So, but you're used to cutting trees down is my point. Not with a handsaw okay, with your family on. around you though, right? <laughs> You have more experience cutting trees than most. I remember one year we went way out in the like in the boonies, and we live in the foothill outside of Sacramento in the foothills of the Sierras. And the further you go up the foothills, 
the stranger things get. They got the banjos. You wonder if there's a dentist anywhere in sight. It's just an interesting place. We have listeners there, Scott. I know. They know, too. They know. They see their neighbors. It's not them, of course, we're talking about. We have lots of clients up there. I know. They understand the foothills. Okay. (laughs) And so we go out there to look for a Christmas tree. And apparently you can come like mid-year and pick out your tree and put a little ribbon on it to signify it's yours. So Are these in paid lots? It's or yes. out in the woods. No, it's not out in the woods. It's out in... Someone's You're not allowed a... to go out in the woods and Oh, you are in parts Maybe of you California. Are now. now you are. Help with the fires. That's exactly this, what you're... This, you weren't before. You get, you know, put you in prison over that. But so <laughs> we go... Like, oh, you see this tree 30 yards away. You walk up to it, ribbon on it. Oh, there's one. You walk up, ribbon on it. We spent 45 minutes. We left. We didn't get any tree this was years ago so I, that was the last time i said we're not ever doing this you again. need to scout out your trees a very long tree on inflation by the way so <laughs> so we go we go christmas shop get the christmas tree and it's there's a someone has a little stand uh the, by the freeway they do every year so that's where we bought the trees the last number of years so we went there to get the tree and i always want the smallest one because i'm the one who's got to lug it in the house but the rest of the family likes a little bigger one anyway so I look at the tree, it was like $240 wow. for whatever the size was we typically get. For 240 it should be able to walk into the house. I'm like, 240 I like a tree's like 150 bucks or something. So I told my wife, I said, we're leaving here. We're going to Green Acres <laughs> Nursery. And we essentially bought the same tree for 150 bucks or whatever. Oh. And, but the reason I'm bringing this up is just the whole inflation thing. The reality is, I it, I could have afforded a two hundred forty dollars tree. Right. It wouldn't have, wouldn't have. I didn't have to sacrifice you, anything in my monthly expenditure. But it would have bothered you. It did bother me. I just like at some point. Mm. So at at consumer behavior can change on things. Oh, it does. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why the consumer price index is questionable at times because it assumes people don't change behavior when the prices of things go up. I changed behavior that day on a Christmas tree that I do a purchase once a year. And it's a luxury. Clearly a luxury. It's a blessing. A luxury is. But people's behavior actually will change. Will change both in a deflationary environment and an inflation, which is when they talk about the consumer price index, you're like, eh. I don't think it really kind of works like that because people will actually change their behavior based upon cost, given an alternative thing to consume. Yeah. Yeah. Does market supermarket I go to the salad bar? It used to be seven ninety nine a pound, then eight ninety nine a pound, then nine ninety nine a pound. What the other day was ten ninety nine a pound, and I thought, wow, you go from eight bucks to eleven bucks. That's a lot in three years. That's inflation. Yeah. But we may be through the past. So back but we to may this, be through that. We may be through this marketplace. Um, we may be through. Don't give up on a, if you have a written investment policy statement, which most people, individual investors don't, but they should have at least a thesis of what their investments are either written or they should be able to tell you what it is. I'm, Absolutely. You should have a thesis about your long-term investments and and, and w- what you're trying to achieve with that investment. And our philosophy, which and which works well for many and most, is building a portfolio that A is designed to weather the storms. Who knows what they're going to look like? No one predicted COVID, right? Weather the storms and building having asset classes that are in line with what your needs are, what the cash flow needs are, when you're going to need the money, and how much ups and downs can you withstand. Risk and tolerance. how much you need. That's correct. That's correct. Because if you have tons of money, you can be as conservative as you want or, or as aggressive as you want. And you'll be fine. So, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, love to take your call, answer a question uh, if you'd like to join the program, 833-99-WORTH is our contact. And you could call us and we'll schedule time to get you on. 833-99-WORTH. And before, um, and we're going to take some calls, but we're going to come back and talk about this. Last week, we had talked about more <laughs> of these cryptos going BK bankrupt. 
Um, and uh, I think I have stated this then. SBK dude was something else. Um, I think we've just started, but we'll we'll take your calls and then we'll come to this. So it's eight three three ninety nine worth. We're in Washington State talking with Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. You're with Allworth's Money Matters. Good morning. Hi. What can we do okay. for you? <laughs> I have a question about tax strategy. Okay. About conversion. Mm-hmm. Okay. So since the current market is down and the tax rate is relatively new, is this a good time to convert my traditional IRA to Roth IRA up to the my the maximum of my current tax bracket and uh, hopefully within the Roth it will appreciate in the next few years until I need the money you know not within five years and uh, is this a strategy maybe good for the next few years until 2025 when the tax law would change, well, maybe? Yeah, um, yes, it, it, uh, it's always a good time to look to see if there if it makes sense to do a Roth conversion. What's your, so are you uh, working or retired? I am retired. Okay, and you're in Washington State where there's no state income taxes? Correct. Um, and what is your income? Well, I don't have any income, and so, I mean, <laughs> I don't work. I under well. You have what are you living do you on? Eat? Yeah. What, what are is there money coming out of your IRAs? Are you on Social Security? Are you receiving a, uh, a pension? You don't have any wage income, but you do, I assume, live on something more than thin air. Right. 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 Correct. So what? So, what are uh, your sources of income? Social Security from our RMD, which. We're required to take both my husband and I, and uh, a rental property, and that's pretty much it. And you said so. You're you're the income tax bracket you're in. Are you in a twenty a twelve percent tax bracket or a twenty two percent tax bracket? Your marginal well, income. Because, well, twenty two or twenty four. And how? So and and you're over age seventy two at this point. Correct. And what is your IRA balances? IRAs, 401ks, all combined. Uh, about a million. And how old are you? 74. All right. So and what saying, was what's your annual income then for the family? Ballpark taxable well, income, do you remember? Keep it, we're trying to keep it under the 22 or 24, depending on the tax. So whatever that is, 340000 it, this is with that's why I'm trying to convert up to the maximum so that I don't have to go into the next tax bracket. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, the strategies, right? Yeah, because yeah. uh, I want I to lower my overall uh, IRA traditional IRA principle so that uh, I will have the option of using more or using less. I don't want to have more RMD require RMD so that. Yep. I have to, you know, get more money than I need. That's, I, I that, rather. That's right. That's right. Uh, everything you're saying is correct. So remember, this is that uh, we're going to make the assumption that your RMD is going to be lower next year because your account balance will be smaller than it was at the beginning of uh, this year. So January 2023, even though your life expectancy will be shorter, which would cause a higher amount, the a drop of your IBR would be lower. So it. It would make sense for you to do that calculation for this year and for next year. And I would do one in December, and then I would look in January to see if you should do an RMD, uh, excuse me, a uh, Roth conversion in January, while presumably the, the account is lower. So you're taking advantage of what now is relatively low tax rates, um, with unknown what's going to happen in the future and lower account balances to do that. And so for someone who's married filing joint, a taxable income of roughly 82,000 taxable, this is after either a standard deduction or itemized deduction. So it's really kind of about $105,000. I mean, and then social security has its own, 
it's only half of the Social Security, or 85% of the Social Security you include for the tax plan. But essentially up, up to 82000 or so, you're in a 12% tax bracket. Then it goes from 82000 to $170,000, ish at a 22% tax bracket. So it sounds like what you're considering is, do, I take, do we take a larger chunk out, uh, pushes right close to that 170000 give 22% of our balance there to the government, in exchange for uh, tax-free uh, income in the future? And the answer Correct. is... So, what? So, are you saying that I'm trying to take advantage of uh, before the end of the year? Well, we understand. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We understand. We're just looking at each other like, what would we do in this I situation? Wouldn't. If you were my sister or my mother, like... Who's, who's gonna when if, when you and your husband pass away? Who's gonna receive these dollars? Our children. And tell us about your children. Do they make are they in the same? How many tax? kids do you have? I'm sorry. How, How many, many children? Two. Okay. Same tax bracket, higher tax bracket, lower tax bracket. Much lower. Okay. Well, then that's the answer to the question. And I don't think I would convert any. Yes. Your odds, odds are you're not going to spend this in your lifetime. And the way these required minimum distributions work, it's based upon a life expectancy. So <laughs> it's not like you have to take out uh, – I mean, you take out an increasing percentage, but it's never going to be drained. Yeah, it won't ever get to zero. Right? So the idea behind that – and the reason we asked about the beneficiaries is that we have a pretty good understanding that you're not going to spend all this in your lifetime. If your children are in a lower marginal tax rate than you are – and you expect them to stay that way, you're pulling money out voluntarily and converting it to a Roth to pay a higher tax rate than they would at your death. That's correct. And the idea behind that is, look, the Roth dollars, basically, the only time you would ever expect to actually take money out of Roth is if you needed the income and you were trying to balance between you were close to a marginal tax rate and you were trying to keep yourself underneath it. That'd be one reason... Or otherwise, it's pretty much the last dollar that comes off the table because of the tax protection on there. Yeah. So the assumption that anything that was going to go into the Roth would never be spent, that would – the assumption that we why, would make – Why do you assume that? Well, that be, be, because you won't spend it. Because you won't spend it because that's why you're converted in trying to convert it into a Roth is because if you were going to spend it, you would just take more out of your regular IRA or – you know, not worry about the required you, minimum distribution. What, what, what do you have as far as savings and investments outside of retirement plans? Well, we have a trust. And uh, so what I'm, what I'm saying is that we have enough money to use. If I, re this is my thinking. Okay. If I reduce my IRA. That's right. And, and so reduce my RMD, yes. which means that, the next years, my tax burden will be less. That's right, but you, but so, you prepaid a tax liability that you may never have had to prepay if that IRA is still around the day you die. But continue. How do you know how long I will live? I'll live to a hundred years. Yeah, no, I, understand. I understand. That's what we're thinking. That's what we. That's exactly the, the, the because the required minimum distribution. If you look at the table, how it does, right. it never gets to a hundred percent distribution. Never. Right, right. Because, and presumably, your your IRA is going to grow faster than your required minimum distribution until you're in the mid eighties. I'm also going to throw one thing: if you give anything to charity more than say two hundred dollars a year, you should have it come directly from your required minimum distribution, and you avoid taxes on that. Now. Uh -huh. okay. Well, that's that that goes without saying. But Elizabeth, well, that's all part of this planning. That's process. right, Elizabeth. I, I wouldn't. I would if, not. If, if you're, if you said to us, "Mom, oh, my children are in much higher tax bracket than I am," yeah, executive said, at Amazon or something. Yeah, you're like, oh, that makes that makes sense. But these monies are going to be inherited by your children. There will be money left there. There will be. And why would you take money out and pay a higher tax on it than you actually needed to voluntarily? And we never even got to well, the question, how much money is outside of the IRA? How much cash do you have in the bank so and in other brokerage here, accounts? The reality is, here's the reality, Elizabeth. We will only know the right answer in the future. Because we don't. no one knows what tax rates are going to do. No one knows what 
But what we focus on are probabilities, right? So we can look at some probabilities. Obviously, we haven't done a full financial plan with you, which is something that- We've done enough. We know the answer. Well, we know based on the probabilities that we would not to you, based on what you told us, we would not recommend that you convert. On the surface, what you said kind of makes sense. Yes, and it makes sense to, to, to consider it. Yes. But based on what you've told us, we would not recommend um, contributing to uh, convert into a Roth IRA and paying that tax. So anyway, I appreciate the call. The majority of Americans are in a 12% tax bracket, bumping up to a 22%. Even people that have done a great job saving that have a couple million bucks in their IRA, where the greatest opportunity is, is be- before those required minimum distributions. Between the date you retire, have non-wage income, right? And your required minimum distribution. And maybe even holding off on Social Security for a while to, to make those conversions happen. We're going to take a quick break. Stick around for more All Worth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of All Worth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McLean. Uh, we want to talk about crypto. Let's it's take f- our first show in November or December. Let's take a um, let's take a call and then we will uh, well, talk about. Well, it. if you want to join the show, eight three three ninety nine worth. That's eight three three triple nine six seven eight four. We're talking to William in California. William, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I had a question about um, my mom has about uh, $70,000 in, uh, EE bonds. Um, and she's 91 and they're getting to the, they're getting to the 30 year point where they stop paying interest. And I just wondered if they're what any suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Need the money. Um, so if she, she wants to give them to her kids, including me, but we're not desperate for the money either. So I didn't know if, uh, she should cash them all out. Yeah, so it's EE e- bonds. Um, they're they're terrible when it comes to the taxation of them to pass on to somebody else because most other assets you get a stepped up in basis. So if you paid fifty bucks for a stock and it's worth a hundred dollars the day you pass away, your heirs receive it just like they paid a hundred dollars for the stock. So that any of that capital gain is just completely forgiven under current law. Um, and with EE bonds, that accrued interest, which has not been taxed over the years, will need to be taxed either by your mother if she withdraws the or money. Or her estate or you. That's right. So how, what is the interest rate on these bonds now on average? I know they're all over the board. Uh, well, the 30-year ones are zero. If it's over 30 years, they quit paying interest. Three or four. Yeah, at 30-year, that's when they end. So, but I know, understand she got that. them in the early '90s, so they're getting to the point. It, it's not a, a huge rate. Three or, I think they were in the three or four. So okay. let's just make the. So let's assume that it's she put thirty-five grand in, and they're worth seventy thousand today. Overall, so let's yeah. just for that assumption, let's assume we have a half of it is going to be taxable. And what is your mother's um, income? Uh, it's just re- retirement. I'm going to say around. Forty or fifty. Okay, yeah, you would you want to cash a lot, it. but she doesn't. She's not um, looking for money. Uh, understand that. Understand this. So we're looking at an alternative investment. So um, there's two reasons I would cash it in. One, it's much easier to cash them in while your mother's alive. Just easier to deal with the estate. The other is they should not be gifted to you or your siblings, assuming that you guys are in a you. The children are in a higher tax rate. But you, you might yeah. want to cash them in over a few years. Is they mature? No, based upon the tax. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. The tax bracket she's in. Oh, got it. Year. Yes. Yeah, so. Not to put her in such a high bracket. Okay, to, to do this perfectly, what you what you do is you do a, a kind of a, a pro forma tax return for her for 2022 today based on what you know about her income. Um, and you could you get close enough by using some last year's software or whatever. 
uh, and then say, all right, how if I if I took a thousand dollars, cashed in a thousand, had a thousand dollars worth of taxable income, what would that do? It changes my taxes, and then you could figure out exactly what the impact's going to be there, and you can play around with that. And then you look at see where the tax bracket jumps from a twelve percent bracket to a twenty-two percent bracket, and if you can keep it all below that where it jumps to twenty-two, and it's only those next dollars are taxed at that rate. It's marginal income. Yeah, keep it below that twenty-two. I would cash in some. Obviously, the older ones that aren't paying an interest are the ones that are about to. I'd cash in some in 2022 and some in 2023 and some in 2024. I would try to have it all done in the next three years, though. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think that amount – I mean, it might bump her up into another bracket, but not – Or but then not. you calculate and you say, what's the impact? If if I do it over three or four years versus some this year and some next year, you might say it's going to cost an extra $400, $450 in taxes. What's going to be the easiest thing? But – but, but the difference between 12 and 22% tax, I mean, the, the planning that's going on here is going to mean the difference between being taxed at, we're only talking federal here too, 12% or 22%. So it's, it's significant. 10% differential. So you want to do- significant. Yeah, yeah. And my guess is you'll do it over two to three years. Okay. And then you could turn around and buy, heck, one-year treasuries or even find one-year- 18-month, two-year CDs that are paying almost as good yeah. if not better. Yeah, especially now the rates are yeah, seem to that's go right. up. Oh, absolutely. So are, not we, put it into crypto? Well, yeah, yes. I mean, cheap. if you want to shrink, shrink your mom's <laughs> estate. <laughs> what? Crypto's <laughs> been going back up, Pat. <laughs> if you, you obviously listen to our program. Yes, I'm um, a big fan. Oh, well, thank you, because, because this crypto thing is a crazy it, – it is – it, and I got to tell you, over the Thanksgiving holiday, I still talk to some of my relatives that are the true believers. Really? <laughs> yes. I saw some meme on, at Thanksgiving time. It's the, all the family sitting around, and there's one empty table, and, and everyone's looking. You don't see who's kind of walking in. And it's, oh, there's Mr. Investor. How are the little coins doing for you? Are you a millionaire yet? It's <laughs> just funny. classic because it was. That's uh, funny. And, so, William, uh, great planning on your part with your mom. Um, those are, you do want them out of your estate, just her estate, just because it's easier, um, if d- doing it alive than after it just makes it easier. And then obviously I assume since you're that deep in the question, you've gone through and made sure the rest of her assets are titled correctly or put into a brokerage account where the transfer of the assets at death will be easier. I assume you've done all that. Yeah. One of the reasons we, we got to this is we wanted to put her, put them into her trust but because they're yeah. paper, you you can't. You have to make them electric. <laughs> that's right. And when you make them electric, that's yeah. when they you have to so, cash them out. So or, I would. Re- paying the taxes I'm on just it. thinking. I'm in your situation. This is my mom. I would probably run the numbers. Like, what if we cashed in? And you're gonna. It's gonna be a. It's gonna be a bit of a guess because you're. You're not gonna know exact. You're gonna have to kind of guess. But I, you might just say like, what if, what if I cash in half this year and half in January? And get it behind you. And get it behind me, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's the additional cost going to be in tax? Because my guess is it's not going to be that significant. And, and that it, way you can just deal with it. Once in December, you learn the process. You go back to the same bank in January. You do it again. And then and the banks, better. they love, love, they make absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go to a bank. That and young be, teller's not even know what to do. With yeah. You. Go into a bank where you actually you bring them Christmas <laughs> gifts and things to first, actually yeah. first because they do not like you. <laughs> they just you're like okay it's like asking someone to mow your lawn <laughs> you're walking by hey i uh, know you're not gonna they have make to it. the banks have to but they don't but, want to no they don't want to because it's a pain for them yeah and they make no money no, they make them. no money yeah <laughs> all right anyway appreciate the yeah. appreciate the call yeah thanks for calling all right him. uh so uh we'll talk about the crypto but i tell you the true believers still in the crypto i'm like wait 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 we gave up on the tulips now we, the tulip craze? When, when I hear the railroads are booming. <laughs> <laughs> Plastics, son. Plastics. <laughs> Let's take this next call oh, and then no. we'll have some more conversation. Because yeah. yes. it's, uh, and I got to tell you, that what keeps coming out, this Sam Blankman Freed, uh, SBF, he was interviewed by George Stephanopoulos this last week. I'm thinking, oh, I know the attorneys are cringing. 
I'm thinking, are you out of your mind? He is. You're going to jail. No, no, he is out of his mind. You've answered the question. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's, he's, he, he is, there was something, he, he doesn't, he doesn't understand. First of all, I don't think he understood he did anything wrong in his mind um, when he was doing it. And therefore he didn't do anything wrong after the fact that it didn't work because he wasn't doing anything it's wrong when he did It's just a few mistakes. No, it's in his, he's not, look, you can't convict, you can't tell someone they did something wrong if they morally believe that they didn't do anything wrong. They, they, you could say it all day you want, but in their, if, if in their reality, they said they didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything wrong. It's an interesting thing. Well, but let's take this yeah. call and then we'll come back to it. Because I, I want, like, if I had an account at one of these other firms, there's some big ones that I'm not going to name them because I don't want to, but that are still advertising, watching World Cup. You see some advertised. Like, mm-hmm. how, if, you, if you had your tokens stored there, like, mm-hmm. what guarantees do you have? Oh, if you have an account at Charles Schwab or one of those, Fidelity, or you're, you've got insurances behind you. Against bankruptcy. So and if fraud. you have coin, like you don't. You don't in these well, of course. I mean, we talked about it what last week or the week before, how many banks went bankrupt in the early thirties? Was it thousands? It was thousands. Hence the term bankrupt. Bankrupt. Yeah, which we then applied <laughs> to companies and individuals. Let's uh take this call. We're talking with John. John, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott Pat. Uh, probably pretty simple question for you guys. It's uh, just regarding a CD, you know, the big banks are finally starting to pay a little bit of interest. But, you know, when you inquire about a CD, they offer you the broker product CD. And, you know, they say that that's FDIC and, you know, the interest rates are, you know, based on the the bank rate, you know, which is around 3% at this time. That's They're correct. offering like four and a half percent for like a broker product. That's right. And just want to really fully understand how the FDIC works and if there's any additional risk here that I should be aware of. So they're offering four and a half percent on what length CD? uh, One year. I think it was like 4.4. It was in the low fours. Okay. So here's the, uh, so here's, there is no difference between a, the, the CD I go into the bank and buy and the one I go online and buy uh, if there's FDIC insurance behind them. Because if they go bust, the, the feds step in and, and make the, make people whole. This happened in the financial crisis. There were some banks. We had some clients that had CDs with IndyMac Bank, IndyMac Bank, and we used them because they were the highest paid at the time. We knew they were in trouble. They went bankrupt. The FDIC. Treasury just... FDIC made them made people whole with immediately. So, so when you're shopping for you know, treasuries or bank CDs, like these risk free assets, um, you just go for the highest rate. And so, the way the, the the brokers do it is that banks, certain banks, are looking for uh, deposits, and they can either market and go out and find them themselves, or they can pay a commission to a brokerage firm to bring those clients to them. And that's why they can pay a little bit more is because their cost acquisition of the dollar, each dollar of deposits could be lower. It's just a different business model. Some say, we're just going to pay a lower interest rate and go find the clients ourselves. And the other, like the bank of Biloxi, Mississippi, you know, Edith's Bank, Biloxi, Mississippi says, I, I just need some deposits. I need X amount of deposits. I'm just going to pay a brokerage fee or a commission to a brokerage firm. The difference is some CDs might, uh, if you're going through a brokerage firm, they might charge you $25, $50, or $100 to make the trade. Um, so that you need to be aware of. In terms of FDIC insurance, this is how it covers. And I've had this discussion with firms that we have bought brokered uh CDs through. It's $250,000 per person on the account. Right? So Same person, $250, married couple, $500. $500. And if it's in a trust, it's $250,000 per person multiplied by the number of beneficiaries in the trust not to exceed four 
which means you can take a trust and if you have four beneficiaries and two owners of the trust, you can deposit $2 million into a bank CD and get FDIC insurance. I thought you said not uh, to exceed a million. Not to exceed four trust uh, beneficiaries. So got two, it, got it, got it. So you've got 500000 which is two owners of the trust, times four beneficiaries of the trust is $2 million. If you only had three beneficiaries of the trust, then the maximum FDIC insurance you could have is $1.5 million. Now, that is some esoteric stuff there. <laughs> now you're showing off with your math skills. And uh, no, if you no, had two beneficiaries, no, a million. No, no, no. Here's why, I'm, here's why I'm doing this. I did... Yeah, yeah, because you understand this stuff. No, no, because... And I did the research, and I got in an argument with a... We were trying to place a trade with a brokerage custodian. They said, no, no, you can't do that. And I said, no, we can do that. And I had to get them on the... Uh, I had to have them call FDIC and actually confirm it. So that is how the coverage works. Okay, great. Thank you, Pat. Well, so, yeah, now you're I like, think- oh, we just <laughs> shut up already. <laughs> so I'm no. like, I didn't want to know all that. Yeah. No, that was good. No, no, I do. I do. No, I appreciate it. So, but I, I think more, more um, direct to my question is, is there any, it, 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 I think what, what you said is, is the, the FDIC is the same for both. It doesn't products, matter. The bank pro- it makes, doesn't matter. It okay. makes no. FDIC is FDIC is FDIC. It's different okay. in credit okay. unions where they use a different form. So I can't speak to that. So don't take this yep. in the credit union and apply it to FDIC because oftentimes there's different insurance in the different institutions. But it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter with, with treasuries either. So you just buy the highest yield um, at the lowest cost wherever you can. Now, I have a good friend that only buys his treasuries, treasury direct. I buy mine through a brokerage account. It's just easier for me. I'm not going to get as good. Um, I'm paying a little bit more friction in the deal. Next to nothing. It's next to nothing. So w- for you, y- if you're comfortable doing it online, you're probably going to get a much higher rate. Okay, great. You know, one one thing that um, the broker did point out that was interesting is that if the interest rate goes up and you wanted to cash out that CD early, it would be, I guess, similar to a bond. Yep. In that the value of some of those are down. some of them are that way. Some, some, and and by the way, you're not going to get rate. you're not going to get the full value of that. Um, as if you had, so you're not going to. Let's say the interest rate is four, and you go six months, and you go, hey, the interest rate's now five. Can I cash out? They're not going to cash you out at the four full four percent. You're going to take a haircut on that. Right. Yep. Yeah, but you can cash okay, out. Great. You can't cash out in most of them, but not all. All right, John. Wish you well. Appreciate it's an interesting call. environment we're in, though, Pat. When you think we're talking about these cash rates, if you got inflation running at seven or eight percent, and you're earning four in your cash, and you're paying tax on the cash, we're you still feel going better backwards. about it, though. Yeah, but we're not, it's not it's not a good long term strategy. I know, but you're feeling better about it than when they were yielding. I know, but it's zero like- zero, and you were actually better off. <laughs> yeah, it's um, what a bizarre. Time oh, it us. is. Based this inflation based upon uh, where you are in your personal economics is unbelievably devastating. And I was trying to look up current um, T bill rates and CD rates, but it's just not coming that easy. It doesn't matter. You can look them up. Right, so let's uh, so let's get back to talking about these uh, crypto. So we've been talking about it for weeks, and 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 you're like, okay, we've heard enough about the cryptos. Mm. This is a reminder. That Pat, there's over a million people, invest well, speculators, that had money with FTX. Yeah, this. The, and by the way, once this is all regulated, once this is all regulated, some of these are there are already regulations. You're not allowed to commingle funds. They're not enforced. There is no regulatory body to going coming and inspecting them. That's, like it, we have, or the banks have. Yes, or. and actually what Sankman Bank uh, SBF was trying to do was actually lobby Congress to get the, the least oversight, which was away from the Securities Exchange Commission, which oversees our industry. He was trying to yeah, lobby for to the dis- least. Okay, so you say he had he didn't think he was doing anything wrong. Oh, you're a good point. As he's there lobbying, the largest, one of the largest, second largest donor to the Democratic Party. By the way, one of their... Um, one of his uh, associates was one of the larger donors to the Republican Party. So they're playing both sides. He was going to the Democrat side. His colleague was going to the Republican side. And then he's testifying uh, before Congress, trying to 
get some laws passed of light regulation, to your point. So of he light won- regulation. Yes. No. He wanted the least pass of the path of least resistance as far as the regulatory. He regime. may not think he did anything wrong, Scott. He may have thought he was the smartest guy in the room and it just didn't work out. And by the way, or he just might believe you're all big boys and girls. You knew the risk. Right? You screwed up. You trusted him. He may think that too. Who knows what he thinks? The mere fact that he goes on these interviews and says what he says is just astounding. He's going to go to jail, prison, not jail, prison. And he's, he's going to go for a significant amount of time. This is not something that the government is going to gloss over. And it's, I find it interesting that there are, it's now becoming more mainstream. And for, for whatever reason, the first week or two when this was going on, like the New York Times didn't have um, a lot of coverage on it. it. Was kind of buried. Now it's starting to become more mainstream when you have like George Stephanopoulos interviewing the well, guy. Well, and we talked about it. I think last week or the week before that there will be more that go bankrupt. Uh, crypto lender BlockFi follows uh, FTX into bankruptcy. So this uh, this was happened on uh, Monday. So that was what November the twenty eighth uh, was when. Um, so whether, whether or not they, so the, the, one of the big issues with FTX is they use customer funds to make some, to prop up their own coin. What it like. created, they, they created the own, their, their own demand in the marketplace. And I read an article somewhere this last week that talked about one of the challenges with, with crypto. There's no, there's no market for short sellers. I, which I don't know if that's was accurate or not, but that's. Let me think. So when you don't have you don't have people betting against that you're that oh you only have people going long correct so there's you don't have the same kind of selling pressure you would have on other types of securities there isn't there's no there isn't someone if you if you're borrowing and going long and margining up on it there's no one doing the opposite there's no one doing the opposite on a short <laughs> right. so. You could create a your own little mini frenzy, and it goes unregulated, that's right? What's what's yes, that's what this article got read, and I thought that was some interesting, uh, interesting take on it. Well, part of the pro- otherwise, typically, what hen- ends up happening in the marketplace, you get people start sniffing out like, eh, I don't think we like this. Yeah, we can make some money by by betting against this thing, and they bet against. And then it. when they have to cover their, uh, that's, when they- which what happens in. Um, uh, in publicly stocks. traded companies all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. yeah, all the time. All companies have, all, all publicly traded stocks yeah. have so short. It, it, let this be a learning history, uh, a learning lesson about how history works. This crypto history stuff, works. it will, it will actually, it will be around for a while. It won't be around in its foreign firm, its foreign, its current form, but it will be around. This, I wanted to talk about another big craze we saw in the last three years which is the SPACs. Let's but before we move like here's what's interesting about crypto, right? So, we're in the industry of of helping individuals manage their wealth. In our industry, the last couple of years, there's been a lot of kind of pressure from people, "Oh, you need to start offering this to clients." There's been companies that would approach us and say, "Why don't you partner with us and we're going to help you so your clients can allocate a portion of their assets to Bitcoin, why Bitcoin matters in your portfolio, why you're missing out if you don't have uh, Bitcoin and have crypto. Remember all this stuff. Yes. Even a very prominent financial advisor, household, almost a household name, that had re- left his bit, sold his business, retired, and then started the, a business of helping financial advisors uh, <laughs> get into the crypto uh, with their with their clients. That's the kind of thing that had been going on the last couple years. It feels like that's dead now. Um, yes, <laughs> I hope so. I'm gr- you know grateful so, that we didn't allocate any of our clients' yeah, so assets there. Let's, and then we'll talk about two other things. One is I'm not grateful because we would never would have special done. purpose ac- um, acquisition companies or SPACs. So these SPACs, if you've listened to this show, is where a group of investors goes out and raises money and then says, after we raise the money, we're going to go acquire a company. Yeah. What could go wrong? And we, we don't really even know what that company is yet, but we're going to acquire it and we'll see it when we see it. And they have a period of time to actually go out and find a company. And this, the reason these exist is because... Uh, Congress had come up with some legislation that was signed into law that made it makes it very difficult, onerous, complex, 
and expensive to be a publicly traded company. Especially to bring a company public. Yes. So this is like a back door. Where because we actually don't really have a business model yet. We don't have to go through the process. We don't have to go through the process. We can. And they used to do the same with these reverse mergers too. So these are just a, a, a replacement for a reverse merger. Where they don't even pretend to buy anything. They just go, we're just starting an XYZ company and we're going to manufacture something in the future. Yeah. Or so the SPACs the, the same thing. Same thing. So in 2022, there have been 48 SPAC liquidations and another 40 are planned for the end of the year. What that means is these will be 88 special purpose acquisition companies that went out and went through the process of raising the money getting investors to buy in and then actually not going to market. Just saying, can't do it. Couldn't find anything. How many? Well, 48 so far, and they expect 40 more by the end of the year where these companies haven't found targets. This isn't bad for an investor, by the way, because you're going to get all your money back and what you've lost is opportunity. But those investors that actually put money into SPACs (laughs) is where we have told you for – if you can't understand a business model, then you should well, not. Well, there is invest no business in. model. That's the point. How <laughs> what we business? Can't... You're betting on a management team, or an athlete, or a an actor. Or... That's who the sponsors were in some of these, right? Many times. Yes, many times. So we, as we always say, if you can't understand a business model, just because someone's an awesome basketball player does not mean they're a great investor. I'm just throwing that out. Okay, thank you, Scott. I might have been their great actor. Or a great actor. George Clooney can make some serious alcohol. He's got the vodka or <laughs> tequila or whatever it is. Isn't he? He's so good looking, too. I mean, I just want to drink that oh, stuff. No. Like Maybe I'll be like George Clooney if I only had that in my life. <laughs> right, I'll be floating around Italy on Lake Como. Beautiful <laughs> wooden boat. Anyway, so this is just a warning that special purpose acquisition companies, too, had their day in the sun, and it's all over with. Yes, and we're over of time today, too. It's been a uh, super fun being with everybody, uh, and glad that you participate in our program. Um, if you'd like to learn more about Allworth Financial, just go to our website, allworthfinancial.com. We've got lots of great—actually, we have lots of great tools on there uh, to help you with uh, your financial planning. We'll see you next week. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.